It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you on pre Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving Eve. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And as always, we got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we strive to help you slow things down just a little bit, help you divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense today. And uh, I'm very thankful today that there's just not that much news. <laughs> uh, most in Washington have taken off for the holidays, so there's not uh, a lot ticking away there. And uh, as always, uh, we want to have you help us out as we try to elevate that conversation. You can always do that on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. And uh, we're going to do a couple of things today that I think uh, will will give us some uh, good things to think about rolling into the uh, long holiday weekend here. A uh, little over a year ago, uh, Inside Sources moved to our time slot here from 11 to noon, Monday through Thursday on KSL. So we're celebrating a little bit of an anniversary, a belated anniversary by a few days. Uh, so we're going to highlight a few of the things that we've done over the past year. Uh, some lessons learned, some of our favorite guests. We'll share some of that with you as we go through the hour today. Uh, also coming up at 1120, you don't want to miss this, uh, our good friend, one of our great friends of the show, Jenny Howe, uh, who is our go-to mental health uh, guru, uh, who helps us with perspective on so many different things. But as we roll into the holidays in particular, uh, mental health is a big deal, especially for our young people in a very different kind of Thanksgiving and holiday season upon us. And so we look forward to having her coming up here at 1120. As I mentioned, we'll do some highlights from uh, previous shows, some of our favorite guests and favorite moments. And then we'll round it out with some challenges for you rolling in to the holiday season back to where we began this all uh, about a year ago. All right, so let's dive right on into it today. I uh, uh, recently been thinking back through uh, just some, some history. You all know that I love history and love the lessons of history and uh, back in 1874, uh, John Jacks worked for the Deseret News. It happened to be in the position that I now occupy as the uh, opinion editor. And it's really interesting. In, in my office, up on the fifth floor of this building, uh, I, I looked directly from my desk uh, on an old replica of the printing press that the pioneers dragged across the country. And uh, it's this wrought iron press and uh, just extraordinary that they hauled it across the uh, the plains there. And uh, John Jacks uh, worked probably a lot harder than I do uh, with that press. I'm sure he spilled a lot more ink, uh, dealt with a lot of the challenges of reverse typeset, uh, faced all kinds of challenges uh, that I don't have to in our very computer-controlled publishing system that we have today. Uh, but there is something that we have in common. Uh, something that really transcends uh, the time when John Jacks was the opinion editor at the Deseret News back in 1874, uh, and all the people who followed uh, and sat in that chair, and it is our commitment to truth. 
Uh, really interesting. Uh, in the late 1840s, John Jacks was a uh, was a young missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in England, and he spent a lot of time contemplating the question of what truth actually is uh, and how he could live the truth with a kind of trust-building integrity. And uh, granted, he did not have the 24-7 news cycle <laughs> to contend with. Uh, he didn't have a vast internet that's filled with innuendo to corral but he did feel compelled to explore the truth. So Jocks uh, took to his pen, as writers often do. <laughs> often we write for ourselves before we write for our audience. Uh, maybe he was hoping that he could, you know, turn a phrase to capture his thinking. And the, the results came in the form of a poem that was later uh, put to music, uh, Oh, Say What is Truth. And it concludes... Then say what is truth, tis the last and the first, for the limits of time it steps over. Though the heavens depart and the earth's fountains burst, truth, the sum of existence, will weather the worst, eternal, unchanged, evermore. It's interesting, often uh, I am here very early in the morning in my office, and in the quiet of those pre-dawn moments, I, I find myself at the office staring at that printing press as I'm searching for ideas, for principles, and for truth uh, to share with our readers. And it's it's often interesting. The first rays of the morning sun uh, regularly stretch across my office and illuminate that press. Uh, the sun's reflection uh, makes me reflect on uh, people like John Jacks uh, and others who sat in my chair as the opinion editor. And I committed, I regularly think about their commitment to shine light on the principles of light and truth. And here we are in this age of fake news, confirmation bias, social media echo chambers, alternate facts, straight up lies. Uh, the looming for question, the looming question for me remains who is responsible for the truth? And every day we have national media personalities and politicians and business executives, uh, they demonstrate through their words and actions that that they don't want to be responsible for the truth. They may not even be interested in the truth. So who's who's responsible? Who is responsible for the truth? Uh, back in 2018, very early in my stint uh, as opinion editor, uh, I'd been wanting to write about truth for some time. And I informed my uh, editorial assistant, Christian Sagers, that my intent was to write on truth for that week for my column. And as the deadline approached, I had unexpected meetings. I admit I procrastinated. And my, my writing time just evaporated. Uh, so finally, I just I told Christian, said, hey, just hold me a spot at the bottom of the page. Well, 5 o'clock, uh, I was in the middle of playing guest host uh, for a national radio program. And Christian brought me the proofs for the printed paper. And at the bottom, there was my picture and a placeholder headline. And in red pen, Christian had scrawled out, truth will be written here. Uh, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. The answer to my question about who is responsible for truth was right in front of me in bright red ink. I am responsible for truth, and so are you. Uh, I want to go quickly to uh, a speech that Oprah Winfrey delivered at uh, University of Southern California in Annenberg School of Journalism uh, that contains some really wise counsel as we look at who is responsible for truth. So your job now let me tell you, is to take everything you've learned here and use what you've learned to challenge the left, to challenge the right and the center. When you see something, 
You say something, and you say it with the facts and the reporting to back it up. Here's what you have to do. You make the choice every day, every single day, to exemplify honesty because the truth, let me tell you something about the truth. The truth exonerates and it convicts. It disinfects and it galvanizes. The truth has always been and will always be our shield against corruption, our shield against greed and despair. The truth is our saving grace. And not only are you here, USC Annenberg, to tell it, to write it, to proclaim it, to speak it, but to be it. Be the truth. Be the truth. Uh, I always love that. I love the fact that she said, be the truth. She didn't say be your truth, uh, as is popular among the moral relativists today. She told them to be the truth. So all of us ultimately are responsible for the truth. It's not the responsibility of government. It's not the responsibility of the media. It's not the responsibility uh, of social media platforms. We have to be responsible for the truth. And uh, that's my commitment on this program uh, and everything that we do in this building is that we get to the truth, that we follow the truth, and above all, that we be the truth. All right, we're going to step aside. As I mentioned, when we come back, our good friend Jenny Howe is going to talk to us about mental health and the holidays. Coming up next, stay with us on this special edition of Inside Sources. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and we are doing a little bit of a celebration here. It's been just a little over a year since we moved to our uh, one-hour slot here from 11 to noon, Monday through Thursday. And uh, along the way, uh, we rely on some really important friends uh, to help us. And uh, one of those great friends of the program is Jenny Howe, uh, who, as a mental health expert, uh, always teaches me something and for which I am most grateful. Jenny, thanks for making time for us today on this pre-Thanksgiving uh, day. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, this uh, obviously is going to be a little different uh, form of Thanksgiving for many people uh, across the state and uh, across the country. And uh, as you've been working with your clients, as you've been looking at uh, some of the unique challenges this year, uh, what are some of the things that we should keep in mind uh, rolling into this Thanksgiving in the midst of a pandemic? You know, what I, what I really love about the circumstances right now, and I know that that's a really strange way to, to begin this sentence, I'm going to say, but what I really love is that we are thinking outside of the box and we are thinking about people in a different and unique way than maybe we would have in the past. And what I mean about that is, you know, generally we kind of kind of just accept the fact that we have these traditions and these holidays and 
we complain about seeing the people that we have to spend time with and we kind of, you know, begrudgingly go. And I think this year we're really reframing that as a gift. And we have this opportunity to involve people in different ways that we maybe wouldn't have thought of before. You know, like our grandparents that live alone or people like me who are single parents and don't have the same experience or traditions that other people have. And I think we're kind of recognizing how important these traditions and these values and our time together is. And, you know, I, I can't help but think of that as a little bit of a gift. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, and I think focusing on uh, on that, that out of the box thinking of not just on what we're missing or what we're used to mm-hmm. having, um, but what we can make this, uh, I think, is just such a, an important part of that strong mental health going into not just Thanksgiving, but into the entire holiday season. Totally. And I think, you know, it's not about being that toxically positive, right? Like, this right. is wonderful. It's going to be the best Thanksgiving <laughs> ever. Like, yeah. I don't think any of us really expect that, you know, but I think it's really a great opportunity for us to kind of say, wow, these are the things that I can do to help myself feel better and to help myself have a great holiday. And there's less focus on kind of the, you know, the whole parade of everything. And there's a more of a focus on what can I do to take care of myself and the people inside my home? And that's been kind of fun for me. I'm learning how to brine a turkey for the first time. I've never done that before in my life, right? And so it's kind of cool to establish some of our own little traditions and to remember that at the end of the day, we're really responsible for helping ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And uh, give us some perspective uh, in terms of best ways to maybe help some of our, even our own family members, especially our uh, our, our yeah. teens and up uh, uh, family members who might be struggling in a little different way uh, going into this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really important to get their input and to understand what they want and what they need and maybe some new traditions that they've never even thought of having before, you know? And teenagers may be like, I don't care what we do. I don't even want to do it. But when you ask and you give them the opportunity to kind of engage in that conversation, they feel a part of it. They feel connected. I have, I'm having my nephew and niece over tomorrow with my sister who's recently divorced. And my nephew texted me this morning and said, hey, can we do art projects tomorrow on Thanksgiving? And I was like, yeah, we can do art projects. So kind of just adding things that maybe feel a little bit untraditional. We might have been tied into some of these things that we've done in years past, but maybe including our kids and teens in that conversation would add some spunk and fire to Thanksgiving tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Love that. One of the things that's been on my mind uh, a lot Mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the midst of this is, you know, part of that, part of that gathering, um, Mm -hmm. uh, even though we may do it different, we may have more zoom uh, chats and phone calls (laughs) and FaceTimes. Uh, is this whole idea of story, this connection, being connected to yeah. story. We all have, you know, we all have that family story that everybody can quote it verbatim, yeah. but everybody hangs <laughs> on the edge of their seat, you know, when it happens. And uh, having those mm-hmm. kinds of, uh, that kind of connective tissue, uh, I think is important for all of us to find ways to make sure that that story component uh, continues. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you just gave me such a wonderful idea. I, I think, you know, having even the little ones kind of maybe draw a picture of their favorite family story or everybody talking about their favorite family story and including people on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever we're doing tomorrow and having everybody share their favorite family story, you know, maybe some different ones than the ones we can all quote verbatim would pop up and, and giving the little ones and the teenagers an opportunity to also tell their stories, which is how we really develop intimacy with each other. I think would be such a wonderful thing to do tomorrow, especially because that's something we can do and easily access over the internet and via our electronics. 
Yeah, uh, love that. Uh, I think that's uh, so critical, and those connection points are so vital. Uh, and we do yeah. want to we do want to make sure that we uh, acknowledge, like you say, we don't want to be that uh, uh, hyper happy mm-hmm. uh, Thanksgiving person tomorrow, <laughs> uh, because we do yeah. have some that really are struggling. Those who really are feeling lost, whether that's been the loss of a loved one or lost opportunities. Yeah. A lot of our teenagers are struggling with senior years that are now looking like last year's senior year. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what can we do for those that are kind of maybe just hunkered down a little bit and uh, struggling with, hey, I, this is not what I signed up for? Absolutely. You know, I think the biggest thing that we can give to people is the opportunity to be seen. You know, I had a friend share with me yesterday that, you know, something we were, I was sharing something pretty personal with him and he responded back and said, wow, you know, it kind of feels like that you've not really had a lot of people lift you up when you've needed them most. And and that's not always true, but what I was complaining about, I really felt seen and heard. Just having somebody validate the, the hurt that I was experiencing uh, honestly just lifted my spirits to a place that I can't even verbalize with words. And so I think if we acknowledge each other and the ways that we are hurting, it can be um, one of the most powerful things that we do. And I don't know how much time we have, but I have a short story, (laughs) you know, me and my stories, but I, my family had COVID for three weeks. We're just getting over it now. And so we were hunkered down and isolated. It was really scary. I have a son with special needs and my daughter is kind of a dermaphobe anyway. And so she was totally self-isolating. She's 18 for those of you who, who haven't heard me speak of her before. And I was getting really angry because I was taking care of my son and I was definitely sick and we were just, it was a really hard time in our home. And I was kind of taking it out on her. And she sent me this big, long text message, which I appreciated it in text because I'll take any kind of communication from a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she said, Mom, you know, I just, I know I don't have COVID like you do right now. And she didn't end up getting it. But she said, I need you to know that this has affected me in ways that I can't even explain. Mm-hmm. Of anyone in this house, COVID has changed my life. And it has turned it upside down. And, you know, she spoke a lot more eloquently than I'm suggesting here because she's a wonderful speaker. But she really just needed to be seen and heard. And what I was taking as her kind of ignorance towards me was really her saying, no, I'm here, too, and I need to be seen for my experience. And it was really was really powerful for me to hear her express herself that way. And so letting our children have a voice and letting them express their hurt, especially during this time, is is really the most powerful thing you can do as as loved ones and caregivers and parents for them. Uh, Love it. Perfect ending. Mm -hmm. Exactly what we needed to hear today. To see and be seen deeply uh, is a a quest we all should be after. Jenny Howe, thank you so (laughs) much for joining us. As always, we are most grateful uh, for your influence on this program. For all our listeners, uh, we say thank you and have a, a great Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you. All right. Very good. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Uh, Much more to come on a special edition of Inside Sources today. Stick with us. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And uh, just a quick programming note uh, tomorrow, as you're getting your uh, turkey ready, as you're working around the house to get things set for your uh, Thanksgiving gathering, whatever that might look like tomorrow. 
join us at 11 o'clock uh, for a very special edition of Inside Sources. Uh, we'll have uh, some special programming there. We'll talk with Mac Wilberg from the Tabernacle Choir and what uh, music looks like, what holiday music is going to look like in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we'll also share part of my conversation with Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as we talk about the role of faith uh, in the public square. We talk about his interaction with other world religious leaders and the need for faith in the midst of a pandemic, uh, along with a lot of lessons learned as we've gone through. So it'll be a very special Inside Sources tomorrow. Make sure you follow along with that, uh, either online or, of course, you can Download the KSL News Radio app, uh, powered by our friends at Any Hour Services, to make sure you've got that with you. If you're out uh, running some errands or throwing the football out in the yard tomorrow, uh, make sure you tune in. It uh, some very special conversations that will make your Thanksgiving uh, very uh, memorable, and I give you something to talk about at the Thanksgiving table tomorrow. Uh, we also noted earlier that uh, this is sort of an anniversary uh, for us here on Inside Sources. Been a little bit over a year since we moved to this uh, 11 o'clock Monday through Thursday time slot and wanted to go back today uh, to some of the critical conversations, some of the great guests we've had on this program. Uh, because as you know, one of the reasons I love this program is because I learn uh, every time I step into the studio. Uh, and I learn before I get into the studio. Uh, Kellyanne, my producer, and uh, all the team that puts things together, uh, we have great conversations uh, out in the newsroom, uh, up on the fifth floor with the uh, Deseret News team as well, and it's constantly learning, uh, which I just love. To me, that is the essence of life. If you stop learning, you've really lost it all, and uh, I'm, I am so thankful rolling into uh, this day of Thanksgiving uh, for what I'm able to learn from you as our listeners and especially from our guests so I wanted to share a couple of things. If you go back uh, early in the pandemic, uh, we also had an earthquake here in the state of Utah, if you recall. I know that seems like a long time ago, but there was an important message delivered by Mayor uh, Aaron Mendenhall. Uh, we talked about social distance, but she gave us a lesson that I continue to use today that I wanted to replay as we roll into this Thanksgiving holiday. Social distancing is still critically important. But social grace goes a long way in times like this. People are worried. People are afraid, and rightfully so. But please be kind, be generous, be forgiving. We all want the best, and we will get through this easier, and it will show our character even more as a community when we do so with grace. I love that. Social grace is every bit as important as social distance. Uh, so we don't need to be snapping pictures of our uh, neighbors who may not be wearing their mask. We don't need to count how many people are around their dinner table tomorrow. Uh, we need to look for social grace uh, because that is how we will come together uh, and move forward through these uh, challenging times and get ready for better times yet to come. Uh, another great guest of this program, uh, someone that I first met uh, back in Detroit at the uh, NAACP National Convention, uh, Reverend Amos Brown. Uh, who is the pastor at the uh, historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco? Uh, it's just always a delight. You don't. You only need to ask him one question, and you can just listen and listen and listen, uh, and you'll learn so many different things. Uh, but on one of the first interactions we had, this was again in Detroit, uh, as we were covering some things back there, and uh, he went back to an old nursery school rhyme, and with his regular zeal and excitement for life uh, he gave us all something to really think about each of us has something to offer we used to sing that old song in nursery school the more we get together 
the happier we'll be. Well, your song will be my song and my song will be your song. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. The more we work together, I would add, the happier we will be. Such a great lesson from uh, Reverend Amos Brown. Uh, I could just turn him on or we could just listen all day long. Uh, But that is so important. The more we work together, uh, the happier we'll be. Uh, A lot of great lessons there. I wish we could export that to Washington, D.C. and a few state capitals around the country. Uh, But very thankful for all those in this great state of Utah who regularly come together to work together. To solve big problems, whether it's homelessness, whether it's an opioid epidemic, whether it's housing issues, whether it's dealing with our stewardship of the land uh, or whatever it might be, uh, we do that really well uh, in this state, and we should be very thankful for that. One of our other great friends of the program, Joseph Grinney, uh, who uh, runs uh, and founded the Other Side Academy, uh, which we'll save for uh, another day uh, because we could always talk about what's happening there with people who've been in and out of the criminal justice system, who've been on the streets and homeless, who've been addicted, uh, and who run an organization that is based on this principle that Joseph taught me that I think is the key not only to dealing with pandemics or challenges, but how we actually link arms and improve our communities one person at a time. The number one thing that students are asked for when they enter the Other Side Academy is to practice 200% accountability. What that basically means is you're 100% accountable for following all of the rules and guidelines of COSA, of the Other Side Academy yourself, but you're also 100% accountable for the behavior of everybody around you. Now, that's important because in most communities, you have to decide, is truth more important or is power more important? In most communities, power is more important. So if the boss does something, he gets away with it, right? Or if somebody senior that's been longer than me in this community does something, then I'm supposed to look the other way. At the Other Side Academy, power is irrelevant. What matters is truth. And you're obligated to speak the truth at all times. And that's why the Other Side Academy maintains such high integrity. I love that from Joseph Grinney. Truth is more important than power. And the more we make it more important than power, the more truth we'll have, the clearer things will be, and the more definitive our direction can become. And uh, the, again, just priceless lessons there. I want to sneak in quickly before we go to break as uh, we round out a, a little celebration of some of the great guests we've had over the past year here on Inside Sources. Uh, rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, former chief rabbi to Great Britain, uh, who sadly passed away uh, just at the end of October this year. In one of his final public uh, interviews, uh, he came on this program. And as one of the extraordinary uh, moral voice, voices of our time, he talked about getting along with people who disagree with us in significant ways. Well, first and foremost, We have to take the people who disagree with us and respect them. People whose views are completely different and even opposed to mine have also thought things through. And I want to be able to say to them, you know what? We may completely differ on almost everything, but you're a human being and I respect that. And I hope you respect the fact that I'm a human being. I'm a religious leader. Hamas was one of the greatest novelists in the world, and he was a huge, huge atheist. And we um, took it as a task just to get to know Amos Oz and befriend them, despite the fact that they rejected almost everything that I hold sacred. Out of that engagement came the most 
beautiful friendships in my life when I went for the first time to Amazonas. And people said to me, you know, what are you going to do, convert him? Um, and I said, no, I'm going to do something much better than that. I'm going to listen to him. So, you know, I think all the divisions that currently exist in society have gone far, far too far. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it'll be easy to reverse any of them. It won't be. But there is none of them that cannot be reversed because all it really needs is openness, respect, and a willingness to honor people with views not like your own. Openness, respect, and a willingness to honor those that disagree with us. Uh, taking someone, I love the way the rabbi said that, that this was someone who hated everything that he revered, everything that he held dear, and they became friends. Uh, there, There is a great lesson in that, a lesson in listening, a lesson in friendship, and a lesson in terms of how we can actually all move forward. All right, we're going to step aside for our final commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this special edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick with us. Much more to come. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources here. And uh, I love that version of It Is Well With My Soul, uh, which was interesting. It was done uh, early on in the pandemic uh, by a group of, uh, I don't know how many, probably about 50 Nashville singers, uh, all singing from their homes in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, it's a beautiful rendition. We'll post it on our Facebook page today. Uh, but as we've been looking back uh, over our little over one year uh, in this 11 to noon uh, time slot here on KSL News Radio. Uh, we have been looking back at some of our great guests, some of the great lessons. Uh, you know that's why I get excited to come in here every day. It's because I always learn something. Uh, I learn something from our guests. I learn something from our listeners and texters. Uh, I learned from the the things that I read in preparation, thinking what what is important, what matters today, and how do we elevate that conversation? How do we go somewhere different? And I uh, wanted to share just a, uh, we, we shared a few of our favorite guests uh, over the course of the last year and some insight there. And just wanted to wrap that up with a uh, quick clip from our good friend uh, Mara Carabello from Exoro Group, uh, who's probably one of the most influential people you haven't heard of. Uh, she's a behind-the-scenes doer. Uh, she's a strategist and a thinker. Uh, but she gave me some things to think about as it relates to how we interact with people who have different points of view going to go to my own experience in which I, I founded uh, the Exora Group eight, almost 19 years ago with LeVar Webb. And we, and we come from very different positions, but we have a shared point of view. We have a shared approach. Yeah. And I learned more from talking to people who don't agree with me, yes. but we're the same kind of people. We have many of the same values, but we yeah. disagree on most things. We're so much stronger. Our, our thoughts and our thinking is, and we, we remain so much more open when we talk to people we respect who are different than us. Yeah. I uh, love that from uh, Mara Carabello from uh, Exoro Group. Uh, we learn so much when we talk with respect to people who have different views, different experience, different ideas than we do. 
And it's it's important to do that. Even around the Thanksgiving table, uh, you can have those disagreements and do it in a way that elevates, that enlightens, uh, that moves everything forward. That's uh, that's the key to all of this. And, you know, as I've been thinking back through uh, the course of this year, and, you know, one of the things we did early on uh, in this program, uh, and it was one of those days where sometimes, uh, believe it or not, sometimes things are not as well prepared as we'd like. <laughs> Or uh, sometimes we get into uh, what I like to call starting with plan Z. Uh, We have plan A, we have plan B, they get torn up, thrown out, doesn't work. Then we go to plan D and E and F. Uh, And a lot of times in life, we end up with plan Z. And I remember on a a day, we we got towards the end of the program, and I hadn't quite figured out how we wanted to close the program. And uh, I just had a a sheet of paper in front of me, and I just scribbled uh, what has really become our standard sign-off on this program, which is see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. And uh, that's a challenge we want to extend to all of you through the holidays, uh, is to do just that, to see something that inspires, to say something that uplifts to somebody else, and then to do something uh, that actually makes a difference. And we're going to invite you to share that with us uh, throughout the course of the next several weeks. And you can either do that on our Facebook page. Uh, you can always do it on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. I want to know what are you seeing, what are you saying, and what are you doing? Uh, those are all vital things that uh, make life worth living uh, and make the holiday season uh, really enjoyable. And so I hope we'll take a little extra time, especially in the midst of a pandemic, uh, to to see things a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Uh, many of you have participated over the, the course of the last week uh, with uh, Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Challenge, uh, with the hashtag Give Thanks. And there's been some inspiring things out there uh, that have lifted me and have given me reasons to think different uh, as I look at what people are thankful for. And uh, it also gives us a chance to uh, to share some of those things that we're thankful for. And uh, today, you know, as I was uh, contemplating this morning, again, up there in my office, uh, looking at that old replica of a printing press uh, that was dragged across the continent uh, to establish printing out here in the West, what was then the state of Deseret. And as I was kind of thinking through what were some lessons, what were some things I was really thankful for today. And uh, today I I have a little different one. Uh, today I am thankful for endings. Uh, my dad taught me this. Uh, my dad taught me that while beginnings were really important, it was, it was endings that matter most. Uh, you know that I come from a, a big family, family of 11 kids. Uh, our house was the place of a, a lot of gatherings, <laughs> a lot of parties, uh, family, friends, neighborhood, and otherwise. And it was always interesting to me at the end of those gatherings, uh, regardless of what it was, it was never good enough for my dad to just say goodbye from the living room. Uh, A hug or a handshake in the kitchen on the way out, no chance, not enough. Uh, Just shouting, you know, see you soon from the front porch, uh, completely insufficient for my dad. Uh, He would always walk you out, snow, rain, sunshine. He would walk you all the way to the car, all the way until the car door was closed. uh, And then he would stay there. And he would wait, and then he would wave one last time as you uh, drove away, because he knew that endings matter. Uh, He always showed uh, that the way to get the best out of people is by seeing the best in people. 
He demonstrated to me every day that leadership begins and ends with selfless service. Uh, he was a an illustration, a living illustration uh, of some pretty divine di- directives in my view to never judge or hold a grudge, to forever forgive, and to always patiently wait, always wait for someone to return because endings matter. And there are countless examples of why and how to make endings matter. I hope you uh, explore such endings today. Uh, because in the end, it really is the endings that do matter. Thanks for joining us today on this uh, special little celebration of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Join us tomorrow, 11 to noon, special interviews. So you don't want to miss those tomorrow. As always, it's up to you now. Go out today, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and above all, Do something today that'll make a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.